Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. It just leaves me to just to bring to the front our guest speaker. We have a guest speaker. Some of you may know him. He's been a massive influence in my life, in my wife's life, in the four years we've been at this church. Uh, we owe him a great deal. We thank God for him. He's an amazing man of God. Amazing man of God. We just we love having you. Peter Cavanna, everyone. Let's give Peter Cavanna a round of applause. Bless you, Steve. Wow. Good morning, all. It's great to see you. Let's get into the word straight away. I, uh, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. You can just be finding that. It's often fun, you know, going around different places. And when you say turn in your Bible, you either hear no noise as people are just pressing their phone. And their iPad, other times you hear books, other times everyone's waiting on the screen <laughs> to come. But uh, we were at a very old-fashioned conference a few weeks ago, and every time someone said, let's turn to, I don't know, John chapter 10, all you could hear is all the noise of books, as all these older people uh, had, never, had no idea what an iPod was or an iPad or whatever. I, uh, I bring you greetings from Madison Hall. Uh, my wife and I are based there. It is um, a Bible ministry training center about 100 miles north of here. And uh, we're just about to begin a whole new term of students. And uh, they're just uh, uh, arriving in um, um, a few weeks' time. And we begin the process again of training uh, workers for the harvest field. And uh, so we value your prayers for us uh, as we seek to do that. Uh, it's all about having a great mix of the Word and the Spirit together, isn't it? Have you found First Samuel 1? Okay. Here goes then. Now, we are first struck with a load of names, and uh, people ask me as a Bible college lecturer, how should we pronounce these names? How should you read them? And I tell you what I tell my students, you say them quickly. And you'll find it works just fine. So there was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zufite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of, well, he had, he had a family. Verse 2. He had two wives. That's the key verse. <laughs> there could be trouble ahead. All right. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Now we're going to discover as we read this that Penina may have had ten children. But you'll, you'll see. Verse 3, year after year, this man, that's Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Verse 4, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. So she's certainly got four children, right? You with me? Sons and daughters, all of them. But it feels like it might be more, as you'll see. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival uh, comforted her and encouraged her like she, oh no, 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 her rival did the worst thing 
she could do. She kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on, how long? Year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, that's the temple, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? There's a clue as to how many children her rival had. Verse 9. Once when they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Verse 10. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow. Listen, everything we're reading is going to be as relevant to your life as you'll, you, you won't believe it. All right? So this sounds like an old story. You're going to find it absolutely relevant to you in a minute. She made a vow. And she said, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, And not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him back to you. I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we want to thank you for your presence here. and We ask you now that um, this very old story with these foreign names and foreign scenarios, not only from another country, but another culture and and another covenant, another time. But I pray the Holy Spirit will move into this room here. This great upper room shall once again be visited by the person of the Holy Spirit, who will speak his word. So, Lord, take that which I have in my heart and turn it into the living word of God to the changing of many lives here. In the name of Jesus. Amen. What on earth could this old story have to do with any of us? Well, let's see, shall we? title of the message this morning is The Union. And in the story, we see, well, three words that I'll bring out one at a time. Comparison, affection, and devotion. And I'm going to unpack those. First of all, let's think about the word comparison. Comparison. What an awful scenario this is. First of all, do not marry two women. <laughs> all right, so let's start there. <laughs> but, but think of this scenario. In this day and this generation of which we read, to not have a baby. Now, in this generation, it's difficult. And let me just be sensitive to that, even here today. It's very difficult. You want to have a baby and you you can't have a baby. So it's difficult in any era, any time, both now, yesterday, today, and forever. But in this generation, the ability to have a baby was seen by these Jewish people as a blessing and the ability not to have a baby was seen as, as we read, the Lord has closed the womb. Also, if you know your Bible, you'll know that people were obsessed with and saw great value in genealogies and 
So, you know, everyone is the son of him and the son of them and the father of him and the mother of him. And so the idea of a genealogy, very, very important to them. So the ability to have a child that carries on the family and carries on the name and, and you know, all of this, very, very important. So here is a beautiful, beautiful lady. Let me call her a Christian lady. It's not quite the covenant, but you know what I mean. Here's a beautiful Christian lady, Hannah, who cannot conceive. Now, that would be bad enough. But the problem is, Penina, who possibly lives in the next room, who knows, is a baby-producing machine and has possibly had 10 children. Am I not more to you than 10 sons, you see? And so the difficulty is there. So it's difficult enough to not have a baby. Or the more difficult, when you are living with someone who seems to have a baby in her sleep and can't stop having them. I want to talk to you today about comparison. Wouldn't it be amazing if I were to ask you today, how's your life doing? If I were to ask you, how are you doing? How successful has your life been? One of the markers by which you would answer that question for sure would be, how am I doing in comparison to everybody else? Can you imagine what the world would be like, your world would be like, if you didn't know anything about everyone else's life? How different life would be. How is it that everyone seems to have a better life than I have got? When I go on Facebook, everyone's life is much more exciting than mine. And you come to Facebook or Twitter and you think to yourself, how can I make my life sound exciting without lying? What can I say today that makes me look like I'm doing all right? Because everyone else, hashtag living the dream. So this afternoon, no doubt, someone somewhere on Facebook will be buying a house, having a baby, have led 13 souls to Christ while they went for petrol or whatever. If you're an evangelist, then uh, someone will be uh, uh, holding a giant crusade with thousands of people. Uh, someone else will be delivering, will be curing the sick in Sweden. <laughs> and what are you doing? You're cleaning out the shed, aren't you? <laughs> That's what you're doing today. How come everyone else is having such a better time than me? So I want to, so my first thought for you today is, We've got to get rid of the pain of comparison. Do you think God is remotely interested in us in some way competing with everybody else? Now, there are people in our lives that, of course, absolutely inspire us. But in this scenario, I don't think Hannah was being inspired by the other woman. In fact, it was irritating her. And irritation leads to jealousy. And jealousy will lead you to either put yourself down or put your enemy down. And by and large, both things. And don't tell me that any of that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not. This is a... An extraordinary church, you know. 
I mean, really, you're doing all right being here. You're doing all right, let me tell you. Every church you can go to, of course, you can have a drink. Right? I mean, uh, of God. But there's something a bit special about the water that flows upstairs here. This isn't a normal church. This isn't your regular uh, church here. This is living water here. I mean, it is. Now, there's living water all over the place in different churches. There's some great churches in Cambridge, of course. But, but, but it's special. But, of course, whenever there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, whenever there's an anointing, whenever there's a sense of mission, whenever there's a sense of mobilization, such as you have here, then there can come a sense of competition. Well, I want to be able to prophesy like such and such a person. Why can't I have a baby? How come he or she can have that child, but I, I want to have that child? Everyone understand what I mean? Well, well, how come, how come uh, X, Y, Z, um, Z is... Is curing the sick. Why don't I? How come I'm not doing that? Now, if you could be inspired by Mr. or Mrs. X, Y, and Z, you are in God's will. But when you are in competition with them, you're out of God's will. Are you with me? And you're hurting yourself. And there can be a as happened actually, of course, with Abraham and Hagar, a sense that, well, I'd better have a child. Because everyone else has got a child. But there's a time for a child. And there's a time in God for a child. We read it. The Lord closed her womb. He opened it at the right time. But up until such a time, he closed her womb. Comparison is just dreadful. Let me tell you something. Where is the grass greener? I'll tell you where it's greener. Two places where you water it, and where it's fake. <laughs> Can I say that again? There's two places where the grass is greener, where you water it, and where it's fake. Like your favorite friend on Facebook, I'm having a wonderful time. Oh, life is good. They're not telling you that actually they're crying when they go home. Now, you know, what, what I'm saying is this, this whole comparison thing. It could be such a killer. And none of it is to do with God. And indeed, for this church, the only thing you can do is what you can do in this church. There's no competition with any other church. God designed this church to have a baby. Have it. Let's not worry about everyone else's babies. They got enough problems and debts of their own. Now, here comes the question. Here she is, wondering, what am I going to do? And she's crying. And she's not eating. I mean, it's got to her. The fact that everyone else around her has got some sort of ministry. And she hasn't. So I'm using the, the metaphor of a baby to mean some sort of function. Some sort of reason to live. Some sort of sense of, well, I've got this gift. This is my task. This is what God has anointed me to do. I've got this uh, thing. This is my work. And yet, 
didn't have such a thing. And I want to say today, there'll be people here in this church and others that will listen to this on the internet as well, I know. And some will have an absolute, yeah, I know what God's called me to do. I know what my gifts are. I know what I'm destined for. I know what's all going to be. And in fact, the door's opened and I'm doing it. But most people won't be like that. You'll be in the waiting game. You'll be in the departure lounge thinking, is this plane going to fly? Why isn't it happening? Where's my baby? So she starts to get upset. And by the way, where is she in the story? She's in the house of the Lord. She hasn't backslidden. She is in the house of the Lord. I mean, you know, this girl's a deacon. You know what I'm saying? She's a worship leader. Or, as we would say today, the most important ministry. She's making the coffee. But inside, there's an emptiness. There's a, well, why hasn't it happened for me? And by the way, of course, this goes broader even than, even than ministry. How come I haven't got a new car? Uh, my house has been up for sale <laughs> since 1824. <laughs> and so someone comes to the front, what's God done for you? Well, we put a house on the market. Within four days, it was sold. And you're clapping, but you're thinking to yourself, what's going on? Why hasn't my house sold? Well, I always say this, of course. Let me give you a prophecy. The reason your house hasn't sold is because no one's bought it yet. So just, there you go. There's the word. Sing hallelujah. Why aren't I married? You know, there's someone uh, 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 ministering to the sick in Brazil and you see there they are on Twitter or there's a video and, you know, a blind woman who once was blind, is now chasing him around. And you're at home thinking, look, I've I've never had a seeing woman chase me around. (coughs) So she's not backslidden, but she is empty. And she's surrounded by the gifted. I wonder how many people that that might apply to here today. Surrounded by the gifted. Surrounded by people who sort of look like, I mean, at least they look like they're in the flow. They've landed. They've got their suit on that God called them to wear. And they've got all these stories and marvels and what, and and you're just, you're, you know, you're doing the ironing. They're taking demons out. You're taking the bins out. What's gone wrong? I'm a Christian too. I want you to see what she does. She cries in front of her husband. So here's what, here's some instruction. Now, I don't mean go home and cry in front of your husband. (laughs) And Elkanah, here, let me use him as as a symbol or a type of Jesus. Oh, God. Why haven't I got this? And God, listen, listen, God answers her through the lips of this man of God. Why are you downhearted? 
and why are you weeping? And then comes the killer line, everybody. And the word of the Lord to you now, here today. The word of Jesus to you. Wondering when your break is coming, when your wedding's coming, when your ministry's coming, when your house move is coming, when your job is, when, when, when's my, when are my children going to come to Christ? When am I going to get healed? When is this? When, when, when? And Jesus speaks. Why are you crying? Don't I mean more to you than ten answers to prayer? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Isn't it actually about me and you? Isn't it about Jesus and you? What, you, you don't have a proper job? No, no. But you have Jesus. You're richer than Donald Trump, aren't you? In fact, I read last night online, he's in debt. <laughs> Haven't you got absolutely everything when you are with him? Right? If you're with him. It is the most loving and yet challenging, powerful thing that God could ever say to anyone at any time. Am I not worth more than all this to you? Because we could become so obsessed with the work of God that, of course, we forget the God of the work. Well, I want to do this for Jesus. Do you really? Is it really for Jesus? Or is it for you, sweetheart? Jesus didn't give his life so that insecure people could feel valuable in a church. (laughs) Come on. I I won't be here next week, so it's all right. I'll be somewhere else. You can see where I am. It'll be on Facebook and it'll be fantastic. (laughs) God does not answer prayers that lead me to have pride. Does he? That's not how it works. I don't care if Brother Dingling pours oil all over your head for an hour. And everyone's happy and singing apart from the cleaner. So this is the word of the Lord that comes to us every day in every scenario. Am I not worth more than all this? When Elkanah married Hannah, he thought he was marrying her because they would have a relationship. He didn't realize that he was supposed to be a baby-making machine. So he's offended. Because, in fact, all she really wanted, 
Now, I've got to be careful what I say here, so there isn't an X-rated certificate on this podcast. But she wanted something from him. But not his love, not his time, not his presence. She, all she wanted was a baby. And I'm just saying, in an atmosphere of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, such as we have here, it would be very easy for you and me to fall into the trap of actually thinking all this is about is function. Anointing. Power. Fruit. Ministry. Success. Victory. And that having nothing to do With God. Just you. Oh Lord, give me more gifts. Why? Well, so that I can use them. Why? So that I, all right then, so I can feel better about myself. Ouch. Come on. It's all about Knowing him. If you know him, you won't care about what people think of you. And when you don't care about what people think of you, you'll stop being irritated, you'll stop crying, and you'll start eating at his table, you see. That's what happens. That's what happens. Am I not more to you than ten sons? And then look at verse 9. Immediately she starts to eat again. It's a little detail that you miss. She hadn't been eating. But then he said, but isn't it about our love? And she's cured. You could but stand in the presence of God. Now listen, listen. I'm not talking about church now. I'm talking about you and God. The church is not supposed to be the presence of God for you. Right? It's not. It's not. You're not supposed to come here to get the river. You're supposed to go and drink from the river at home. So when you walk in here, you can say, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Up and down the country. Now, I'm not so sure it's true here. (laughs) But here's something for every worship leader, just to encourage you. Because I know how you feel, worship leaders. How is it that all... No, I'm just... uh, Listen, I won't be back next week, all right? Shall I say it? All right, well, you asked me to. (laughs) Up and down, all over the country. Poor, poor worship leaders, every single Sunday morning. It's like they have to bring everyone back to faith. They bring people back as though they're, as though, well, let's just all get born again in the first song. Because you've all been away from God this week. and So the first song is always about, well, let's see if anyone is still saved here. You've got a feel for these poor worshippers. They, they're the biggest evangelists in the country. They spend the first three songs leading everyone back to the presence of God. Why? Because people haven't been in the presence of God. But imagine if everyone was in the presence of God. Just imagine it. Imagine if everyone stood in the presence of of Elkanah or Jesus, you see, and looked into his beautiful eyes and said, I don't care about anything when I'm with you. When I'm with you, it doesn't matter that I'm in debt. When I'm with you, it doesn't matter I've got arthritis. When I'm with you, it doesn't matter that I haven't got much money. I've got everything because I'm with you, Lord. Now, 
Of course you have to come out of that presence and you have to then think, right, I better get a job and I better see if I can sort my son out. And I know there are things to do. But there wouldn't be this sense of comparison. Listen, here's the wonderful thing. Everybody in the sound of my voice, whether online, on CD or in this room, everybody can have Jesus. Not everybody can be a prophet. Not everybody can be an apostle. Not everybody can be bishop. Whatever that is. Not everybody can be a deacon. There are lots of deacon-possessed churches anyway. Not everybody could be a preacher, but everybody can have Jesus. Right? Everybody. But then it's kind of up to us, isn't it? You know, I, very often I, I hear people say this. All right, listen. I hear people say this. They say, do you know what? I'm not religious at all. I've got a relationship with Jesus. So when you're out doing evangelism, you'll no doubt say that to people. Because they, 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 they're put off by religion anyway. So you want to just sidestep that. I'm not religious. I've got a relationship with Jesus. And sometimes, now listen, you, I won't be here next week. Sometimes I want to whisk away those people and put them on the Jeremy Kyle lie detector. Have you really got a relationship with Jesus? Or actually, have you just got a relationship with a local great church? Right? Have you actually got a relationship? Because, listen, you can have a relationship with Jesus and it can start today. Or you can rekindle your relationship with Jesus starting today. And then you don't have to think about, well, what am I? I know what you are. You're the friend of God. Well, what about my role? Have a cheese roll. Have a, never mind your role. Well, what about my gift? What about, what about, what's my function? When can I put profit on my business card? Never. There, there's a word. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning. So the priority of affection, that's the second thought, you see. You've got the pain of comparison, but then the priority of affection, it's got to be about him. It's not about what you do. It's about being with him. The end of the age. Watch this. But at the end of the age in, where will it be? It'll be Matthew 7. A scenario is presented to us by Jesus himself of people whose whole eternity is at stake. The moment has come to decide, are they heaven or hell? I mean, the stakes are high. Couldn't be higher. And what do these people do? Watch this. Watch this. This is what they do. As though to answer the question, why should you come into the kingdom of God? And this is what they do. Lord, Lord. Do you know the passage I'm going to refer to now? Did we not do things? Lord, surely we did things. Here we are, look. We're the doers. Here's my friend Doodab and Mrs. Doodab. Did we not prophesy in your name? Dramatically. 
in the King James Version. Properly. We did not put our hand in our pocket. We were prophets of the King James. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out many demons? This is what they believe is going to get them into the kingdom of heaven. And what does Jesus say? It's a terrifying bit in the Bible, isn't it? It should terrify all of us a bit. He said, but I didn't know you. You seem to think you knew me, but I didn't know you. Let me put it another way. I didn't have any union with you. These ministries are not my children. They're just yours. There are people who want to take the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they want to use that anointing for themselves. The Holy Spirit is not a prostitute to be taken for an hour, used and then discarded. Can you say amen? I said in the car to Jane, I must preach it softly today. (laughs) I want you to see the power of dedication. So there she is. She's been through the process. She's looked at everyone else. She's got herself jealous. She's got herself wound up. She's got herself, I've got to have a baby. Now it's no longer about, it's no longer about just her need, but her need to look like she's as good as everyone else. And now we get the power of dedication. Elkanah says, look, it's all about me. Jesus says to it, it's all about me. Am I not worth everything? Okay, so your car has failed its MOT. I'm still here. Oh yeah, but I've just been, I've just lost some hours at work. Jesus says, I'm still here. If you've got me, you've got everything. I don't mean you've heard of me. I don't mean you go to a church that talk about me. If you've got me. At home, in the car. In the car that just found its MOT. The presence of God with you in that job that you don't really like. The manager's getting a lot more money than you, but you're getting eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Yeah, but I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind Saturdays off. All right. Maybe God will bless you, but until such a time, until such a time as you've got everything you want, which probably won't fully happen, will it? You've got Jesus, you see, if you want him. But look what happens. She gets up and says, oh, Lord. Verse 11, she makes a vow. You ready for this? Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. That's what she says, isn't it? Somewhere along those lines. And here's the beautiful thing. She gets Elkanah and a baby. But she had to want Elkanah first. And then she gets the baby. Right? Now, how do you get a baby? Now, once again, I'd be careful. That we, I, do you understand? I could have emailed Phil and said, my message is how to have a baby. With a giant picture of me on the cover. <laughs> but I thought we won't do that. Let's talk about how to have a baby a minute. More to the point, let's talk about how not to have a baby. I don't know about you, but uh, has anyone ever here got pregnant by holding hands? 
I, I, I don't think so. Has anyone ever got pregnant by having, by confessing that they were pregnant? No. Okay. Has anyone ever got pregnant by preparing a baby room in the house? No. Has anyone ever got pregnant by reading about how to be pregnant? No. And watch what you're reading. Has anyone ever got pregnant by having a book of babies' names? No. You only get pregnant by having union. There, everyone's calm now, aren't they? You have union. It's the only way to have a baby is to have union with the father. Everything else is fake. Everything else is not a child brought about in the purpose of God. I had an amazing, amazing quotation from Bob Gladstone, who used to teach at the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. He said this. Listen, you ready for this? Listen, listen, listen. listen. He said, the only thing that ever pleases God, listen to this, the only thing that pleases God is what he does himself. Now, just take, just take a year to think about that. It's not my job to have a ministry. It's my job to let him flow through me, isn't it? Now, naturally, a baby will look like the mother and the father. And so my ministry will look a bit like me. And hopefully we'll look a bit like God. But what's important is not so much what I'm doing today. What's important is what is the Holy Spirit doing here today? What is he conceiving? What is he bringing to life? Not what what am I bringing to life? Don't you know that if you could just stop all your striving, stop all your comparison, Stop all your fighting. Stop looking for titles. Stop looking even for function, as though that's going to build your self-esteem. And just say, I am going to be with him. When I'm with him, I need nothing. And then look what happens. Something comes out of her. A ministry begins. Not just any ministry. Samuel, ladies and gentlemen, who changed the country. The word of the Lord from Samuel came to all Israel. What happened to um, the other woman's children? Don't really know, do we? Google it later. Won't take you long. This page cannot be found. What I'm telling you today is not, I'm not telling you to down tools. There's work to be done. Can you say amen? amen? There are things to do. And there are things to do that some people don't want to do and other people do want to do. Well, we need to do these things. So I'm not saying let's all down tools. Far from it. But I'm telling you this. If you can go and be with him, Something could come out of you that could change this country. If you just use the arm of flesh, just you, yeah, you could change maybe this church. And you could help some people in Cambridge. But when we go and be with him, we produce the plan of God. We're not, anyone can make history. We're not talking about making history. We're talking about fulfilling prophecy. I think it's time for us to stop giving prophecies and start fulfilling some. Start fulfilling some. Some of the things that have been said about you and said about others over years and years and years. Time to start fulfilling things. Let's stand together.
I want to read you one verse as we conclude. John 15 and verse 5. Jesus speaks. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me, and I in him or her. He or she will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you want to hear the Peter Cavana version of this? Apart from me, you'll have to fake it. Because the reality is, most of us won't do nothing but we'll just go and do it without him. Am I telling the truth? But if we want something to really happen, if I want something to really happen, if I want my life to really count, I'm going to need more than just a few gifts and a bit of natural ability or education or whatever it is. I'm going to need to be in union. I'm going to need to be connected to the vine. The branch looks like it's producing the fruit, but it's not. It's the vine. Well, I need a new anointing. You don't need another zap. You need some sap from the vine. You need to live in the presence of God every day. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.